This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook and at trevorjamesflutes.com. Hello and welcome this week to Talking Flutes Extra with me, Jean-Paul Wright. Thank you so much for your continued feedback. Claire and I love receiving your messages and we're creating a quite a nice little pile of more of your questions to be answered in future pods. So thank you very much. Please continue to like, rate and follow us on whatever podcast channel you are listening to as this allows others to find us more easily when they do a search. Andrea Fisher is a musician, flutist, producer and entrepreneur. Probably more recognisable to most of you as Fluter Scooter, the designer of stylish and beautifully created instrument bags, which can be found adorning the shoulder of many of the world's leading instrumentalists. A performer in her own right, Andrea creates and produces all of her events and was the first flutist to perform with hologram technology. She is known for her unique and out of the box performances including working with a 3D light painter in Tokyo, through to the infamous concert in which she played flute and organ simultaneously. Yeah, I'm not joking. She does. Plays flute with her left hand, the keyboard of the organ with her right hand, and she's working her feet on the pedals all at the same time. She has performed and recorded with the likes of John Legend, Ian Anderson, 50 Cent, Puff Daddy, to name a few. And she also composes and produces her own albums. Most recently, three beautiful meditation albums called Iatunes. There's so much to this lady that without further wittering on my part, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to give a wonderfully warm London welcome, because we're doing this over Zoom, to the multi-talented Andrea Fluter Scooter Fisher. Hi, Andrea. Hi, thanks for having me on here. Oh, it's my pleasure. And where are you coming in from today? I'm actually near Chicago right now. I came out here for uh, an event, actually, that I performed my music from the albums that we're going to talk about. I performed it live for the first time at an outdoor immersive electric art installation if you can imagine what that looks like so i i basically stood in front of the entrance they had musicians and performers at different stages so it was like a an outdoor event so people would just uh browse the different stations of artists and um, art so i would welcome people in and i played a very this music, this meditative music to just get people into that space of fantasy and just that vibe. Well, it's very opportune that you sort of open the podcast with that area because you, there's so many strands to you, Andrea, which means that you have to wear so many hats. And I'd like to focus on a mere three of them today. And I'm I'm not (laughs) lying, everybody. I'm not telling porky pies when I say that Andrea does juggle so many things. And when she gets an idea and a concept, she goes for it big style. So the three today are, as everybody knows you, Fluta Scooter, and then you as a musician, and then the wonderful new albums you've just released. But before we venture into that, how did this all start for you as a musician and a flute player? 
So you want the real backstory. I need to start with, yes, just to give a... Okay. Well, um, you know, I always had a musical ear. There was a piano in my house and I would just play things that I heard from a very young age. Like I would hear stuff on the radio and I would just play it. I think I was three or something and uh, started piano lessons and my piano teacher from a really early age said, oh, she has this thing called perfect pitch. And, um, you know, that that's really helped me in a lot of areas as far as piano and flute. And I, you know, I learned flute when I was about 10 mm-hmm. uh, because I wanted to join the school band, you know, piano couldn't uh, do it. So I was playing piano and flute. And then I actually learned the bassoon because there were shortages of, yeah, I, nobody, <laughs> not a lot of people know that. Um, I was a bassoonist um, for a few years in high school and I became quite good at it, but I didn't like making reads. And I even played contra. Good grief. I know. So quite you heard it here, from... folks. Flute a scooter. <laughs> it was a bassoon scooter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, oh, and I also, um, some of my first jobs were playing organ for churches, and I taught myself. Yeah, the organ is pretty much like the uh, piano, except with the pedals. So I taught myself pedal technique, uh, which was totally wrong. I, you know, I there were ways to do it. Um, I just kind of stomped all over the place and, you know, learned that on my own. And I, I think... You've probably seen, and Halloween is uh, mm-hmm. on its way, and I'm sure that'll be shared all over the place again. The video where I play flute with one hand and keyboard with the other, and then pedals with my feet. That was that's basically like a culmination of my whole musical uh, life <laughs> with, with all those instruments. Andrea underplays herself. She's a, a graduate of Juilliard. Who did you study with there? Uh, Carol Wincense oh, uh, was my, yes. yeah, I actually started with Jeannie Backstresser my first two years because I initially wanted to be an orchestral player. Isn't that funny? <laughs> well, I love orchestral music. I always have. And I love being part of that group and collaboration. And, but, you know, as, as years went on, I saw there was, there was more to, flute playing and music making than just sitting in an orchestra. And I saw a lot of unique opportunities and I really got into a lot of more world music and electronic music while I was studying at Juilliard. And I really wanted to carve my own path in the music world rather than be part of uh, an orchestra or a group. So I was, you know, I was really influenced by world music when I was in New York. I was taking Bansuri lessons and Shakuhachi lessons while I was a student at Juilliard just to have those other forms of flute playing. And I would even uh, perform them on recitals at Juilliard. I I remember one, I played Bonsuri and I had a friend who played the tabla and we played a traditional raga for my senior recital. So I've always liked different flutes and different forms of classical music from around the world and not just classical music, traditional music. So, you know, those influences are still with me now in these projects that I've been doing. Now, interviews usually start from the back. In other words, we, we normally start from where it started. Where did you begin? And then it, the interviews normally lead up to the present. However... I'd like to reverse this by speaking first about your latest project. And one, as you know, I absolutely adore, tunes. So by starting here, it gives us the opportunity 
to play some excerpts of a couple of the tracks as we move through this podcast because you listen to one and it doesn't always do justice to the whole album, which is phenomenal. So before we speak about the Aya Tunes or Aya Tunes albums and why you composed and created them, I'd like to invite the listeners to gently close their eyes for a moment, as long as you're not driving, of course, as we listen to a part of the beautiful Kuna Lullaby from Aya Tunes Volume 2 by Andrea Fisher. Oh, stunning and so wonderfully put together. Where did the inspiration come from to not just write and produce one album, but three? <laughs> uh, okay, so, you know, I've, I've always been a meditator uh, for the past, I don't know, five or six years, I practiced transcendental meditation. Again, there's no, there's no music involved. It's just a mantra and um, just quieting the mind and... I also do another 
form of, I don't know if you want to call it meditation, it's, it's medicine, it's uh, plant medicine, and one of them is ayahuasca. That's where the name comes from, ayatunes. So I was in one of these medicine ceremonies, and, uh, you know, they're healing ceremonies, and I've learned so much from, from this. And I've, again, this has been uh, something I've practiced for five or six years. You know, I don't go to these ceremonies more than two or three times a year. You really can't. It's, I mean, they're so life-changing. And I, I felt like I really heard music for the first time again in one of these ceremonies, which is crazy because obviously I hear music all the time and it's been my life, but I've, I heard things, the person who's in charge of these ceremonies, I could call him a healer or a curandero. He played uh, music from other artists and sometimes music is performed live. So I almost heard, you know, hearing is a sense. We have five senses. I almost heard a, a sixth or seventh sense of a, it, I would call it more of a vibration in the sound. It, I, I was hearing the sound, but I wasn't hearing the music. It was more of a vibratory, energetic field, um, if that makes any sense at all. And I, I was writing stuff down, even though it was dark. We, you know, you, you're in these ceremonies, you're on your back on yoga mats all night. But I was writing down all these notes I was hearing about the, the music. And by the end of it, I was like, I have to write my own and incorporate what I heard. These powerful vibrations of sound and light and just, they were almost like new sounds. And, you know, to take the listener on a journey because... I felt like the music was such an important part of my journey in this. And without it, it would have been a totally different experience. So when I did start making these albums, which was probably 2017, I think, I felt that journey. I, I felt that this is going, this is really going somewhere. This is going to open up the listener's mind and just take them to a, a place, uh, hopefully. And I, I, I think you explained it well. You know, you, this music has uh, the ability to go places that maybe other music does not. I guess. Yeah, it's it, to me. It's the more you listen to it, it's complex simplicity, in that mm. it's you don't hear the same each time you listen to it because as you say if you allow yourself to be free when you're listening nothing is the same (laughs) you go on a very different journey each time you listen to it so it's not I love that it's it's not your usual I've just hit my microphone by the way it's not your usual sort of meditation music there is something very special in 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 the depth of it and I I like for me it is complex simplicity I love that description complex simplicity yeah, it it is different every time. I don't even want to call it meditation music because I think that has Absolutely almost agree. like, yeah. you know, when someone says meditation music, you think of like when you're getting a massage or you're at the <laughs> spa and it's just like this. And it doesn't go anywhere. It's it's it's, it's meant for that purpose. But this music you know, I I don't really have a genre for it. I, I you know, I, it could be called medicine music. Um, you know, it's played in these now. Now that I have these albums, it's played in many of these ceremonies. Many people who lead these use my music, and I've had. You know, it's been so gratifying to 
get these messages and email WhatsApps from people all around the world saying, I just heard your music in ceremony and it changed my life. I had, I discovered, you know, my relationship with my father after listening to this track and I apologized to him you know very very profound things life things uh, happen in these ceremonies and a lot of people that have hear the music they associate it with those powerful experiences that they've had and I've had people crying. Um, you know, I go to these ceremonies too, and sometimes I do play, or mostly I participate, but people saying how much this music has meant to them. And for me, you know, getting that feedback or just, uh, you know, seeing the power that music really has to heal, I, I wasn't getting that from classical music. And I, I love classical music. I, I'm still, I still play and, and practice. Um, obviously not as much as I used to, but, you know, seeing how powerful this, this has been only makes me want to do more and reach more people. And it's not just for people in these medicine ceremonies. Anyone can listen to these and hopefully feel that, feel something. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Not pigeonhole it in meditation. And meditation has been taken over by the wider society and, Meditation at its simplest form is when you are just present. And as you say with, with, with what you do with TM, uh, you are, you're doing a gentle mantra. What I do, Vipassana, I'm sitting in silence and I'm watching thoughts come in and I, I play with the thoughts just, to, just in case some insight comes in. But with this music, you're exactly right. I think it, can, it has the ability to unblock, unlock, if you allow it to. So you don't have to be in a formal meditation session. If you just listen to this, and you, I, I would recommend that you listen with headphones on because it, your focus is then completely on this music. And just allow yourself to be. And I think you're surprised, be really surprised that things do unblock. We're, we're such complex beings, but we're quite simple in our heads, really. And sometimes we filter all these feelings and thoughts away into this subconscious mind, into our filing cabinet, and sometimes it just takes this piece of music or this, as you've created this layers of textures, just to unlock and unblock something. And it just comes in, doesn't it? Like a wow. Yeah. You know, and I think about that when I compose these. And I don't, I don't call myself a composer at all, but I guess I, I am in, in a sense. I, you know, not the traditional, like, I don't write anything down. This all comes from improvisation. So, uh, you know, I can talk a little about my process mm. with this. Nothing is is written down. I go to the studio with a blank slate and the studio has, you know, a variety of keyboards. And usually it starts with me laying down some kind of chords or pads, or maybe I have an idea for a flute melody. So, you know, something like like this. This is just a Native American flute I'm going to be. So, you know, I have sometimes I have these ideas in my head and I just want to record them. So I usually when these albums come about, I have 
a few weeks in a studio of just working every day pretty consistently. And usually I, I come up with about, I don't know, 10 to 15 different ideas that some are formed into these long form tracks. And the, the music on these, are they're not pop songs. They're not four minute <laughs> no, hits, not, you know, no. these, these go on for 25 minutes though. They're a journey. They're a meditation, you know, and listening to one of these tracks is the amount of time that I meditate 20, 20 ish minutes is, is the amount of time that is a, a normal, you know, get in that space thing. So it often starts as just an idea. And then I do all the layering of things on the keyboards. I tell the engineer, I, I don't engineer it. I, I'm not a Pro Tools master or anything. I know basic things. Like I can look on the Pro Tools session and say, okay, um, let's add a, a flute here. And I have an amazing group of musicians that I work with on these. So I'm doing all of the keyboard stuff and the flutes. But I have an amazing singer. Her name is Mahalakshmi. She's based in India. So we, you know, since the beginning, we've been recording her remotely. And we just send, we meaning the engineer and I just send her kind of a basic track and uh, go back and forth. And she, she just gets it. She's American, but uh, has lived in India and studies Indian music and performs over there. So she's been on most, actually all the, projects so far and she's kind of that signature voice and I, I just love working with her and uh, also uh, some string players uh, sitar some crazy vocalists on the third album there was this guy he makes uh, bird sounds from his voice and animal sounds he was actually the winner of Georgia's Got Talent. He's Georgian, like the country Georgia. I've never met him either. He's recorded remotely. Um, and the, some of the things he can do that he imitates the jungle. And it's just, wow, okay, a person is doing that. You know, so I, I have a, a huge network of these world musicians and also these medicine musicians um, that have been on all these projects. Also, uh, an amazing Bansuri uh, virtuoso, Steve Gorn. But I've also just done a lot of flutes and keyboards and things like that. When I started this by saying it was complex simplicity, do you find yourself having to draw back on some of the tracks? Because what has gone out there on your albums, it just seems to be right. You know, that you, you haven't overlayered it with lots of instruments. There's a purity there. It's almost as though you knew where the river was starting. And when it, when it became, when it sort of went into this big sea, you sort of followed it gently along, but without crowding it. It's funny you say purity, because that's what I strive for in all of this. Even though some of it is very complex and some of it gets really intense at, at times. I feel that the purity and simplicity of this also really gives it that signature, I, I guess, of, of this type of music. You know, I'm always looking for the most simple structure and uh, sounds and pure voice, pure tones of, of everything. I don't like too much, like when I have classical players, I, I don't want a lot of vibrato. I, for my own self, I, you know, I've always 
I've always loved a very, very pure flute tone, and that's uh, classically uh, too. But I uh, sometimes the string players get a little too classical, and I'm like, just dumb it down, and <laughs> not dumb it down, but but don't think so classically. That's actually for me never really been an issue with this music because I, I separate it. It's something totally different than anything I learned at school or. Uh, in any type of classical studies. And I don't think of those things. I think of being in that meditation space and what I'd want to hear and what would be a journey, a sound journey. And when you're in a meditation space, there's that place of safety. It's that place of where you can begin to explore whatever you wish if it comes into your mind and that's what your yeah your music does get complex and it creates sort of slight ripples but you need that to be able to unblock because otherwise the the thoughts would be stagnant wouldn't it yeah i mean i think with this music it's there are these parts of just not almost nothingness yeah. where but and like you were saying with the ripples and i think with anything you know you can't have there would be no such thing as silence without sound and vice versa. There would be no light without darkness. So you have to go through those. Mm -hmm. You have to embrace that darkness and that shadow in, in the music. And then it just opens up and, you know, and you, you really feel that opening up, but you wouldn't if something wasn't stirring, you know, and then it's just this release. Um, so I, I do, play around with with that in a lot of of things but yeah I don't I don't think of it as a you know a structural thing it just comes to me and it's just uh, almost just all this stream of consciousness when I'm creating this music I just keep going and um, take it to new places shall we listen to another track from the album two uh, which one would you like us to play from the second album. Oh, that's the Dear Magic. Yeah, Dear Magic. <laughs> well, the, you know, the title track, I, I could also talk about Dear, but that, that would be a, an entirely different podcast. Um, deer have been this, almost this power animal. These uh, I, Deer have come into my life after um, doing these ceremonies, and I... I love deer. I even have an Instagram account for deer just because I love them so much. The spirit of these animals, their gentleness, their awareness, gracefulness, calm, and this almost mysterious characteristic. I wrote one of the songs called Deer Magic, which is also the name of the album. So you, you, can, you can play that. I think it really embodies the spirit of that animal, and that's what it's honoring. And, um, the you know, Native American flute uh, starts the track, and I actually was playing it for deer, and I, it just stayed in my head, and I started the track with the, the melody of the deer. So let's listen to Deer Magic from Iatunes, album two.
So you may now be getting the impression that I'm a huge fan of these beautiful albums and we'll no doubt have a little bit more later in the podcast. But before we do so, and before I forget, please tell everybody how they can download these. Okay, uh, well, right now they're available on Bandcamp, iTunes, A-Y-I-T-U-N-E-S. At, uh, or dot bandcamp.com. The, the, what we're doing with these now, um, there are three albums out now, and I, re- I just recorded a fourth in uh, Belgrade, which I did starting around February of this year in a studio out there. And the reason I, I went to Belgrade to record, that's, that's a whole interesting um, pandemic story. <laughs> Serbia was one of the only places that was taking in Americans, uh, you know, traveling. We couldn't really go anywhere. Um, And everything was still shut down at the time. And, you know, I was really like, I need to create. I need to, I I don't have a home studio, obviously. And I I could never get it to the level um, that a professional engineer could. So I was talking to the the ceremony leader who's... um, you know, kind of in charge of these projects. And we have eventually came up with um, a, a contact of ours who worked in a studio in Serbia and recommended this great uh, studio. And so I get this text saying, um, would you be willing to go to Serbia? <laughs> and, and this is in um, like late January, uh, 2021, where everything was closed here. I'm like, yes, I'll get on a plane tomorrow, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Just uh, got my test and got on the plane and uh, was in Belgrade for about three months doing this um, project and also just being able to explore Eastern Europe, which was fascinating in itself because I had never spent any time in Eastern Europe, never been to Serbia. Um, I got to Slovenia, um, it, you know, an amazing place. Uh I would watch these gypsy musicians on the street um, and they were children and they, they had, you know, they had these old souls and you could tell in the way that they played and sang that this was in their blood, this music. And I, I would go to this um, like shopping street and just watch these kids every day. And they, they were so talented and so inspiring and just something totally different that I had never seen before. So I really, you know, fell in love with Eastern Europe and, you know, not just by doing my project, but um, also by listening and getting inspired by other musicians. And for this project that I did in Belgrade, it's not out yet. So this, I should mention, and for everything you had, you had said it's best to listen on headphones. So the fourth installment of iTunes, as well as the three albums that are already out, are going to be re-released as an app. Mm, and nice. Yes. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. So this is something that's that's pretty new, and it relates to the Atmos headphones, which are 3D headphones that Apple is coming out with, mm-hmm. and also uh, 3D speakers. So everything's going to be this 3D sound. So 
what we did in Belgrade was, you know, we did everything traditionally, stereo mixes, but then there's an engineer out in Berlin who's doing 3D mixes. So he got the stems, stems meaning like every, every track raw, and he's mixing them in a 3D landscape. So I, I know that sound, that might sound confusing, but I, the way I explain it is think of VR, of virtual reality, but for your ears for audio. So, you know, you have these headphones on and you turn around and you hear a certain sound and you turn, you go down and then you hear a voice or flutes over here. So that's going to be out in a few months. I'm hoping by the end of this year, you know, the app creation and the 3D mixes, um, obviously is more involved than um, just making the music. It's a lot of tech stuff. So, Absolutely. I've had a, of the opportunity to actually try listening to mm. some of the 3D music. It is so profound because, as you say, a slight movement and something else comes in and it gives you the ability. It's, not, it's different from surround sound, by the way, everybody. It, yes, it, it yes. relies a lot on, say, as you look to your left, does something different comes in and it really encompasses your whole body. So I can see this as being, it just, it, it will take your music and what you've created to a completely different level. Yeah, I'm really excited um, to hear it myself. I haven't actually heard the 3D mixes yet. Um, we're testing a beta version probably in a few weeks. Uh, like I mentioned, this is being done in Berlin. So we have a whole international uh, community doing this. Um, you know, I'm the the music maker of and the composer. And then we have engineers in various places in Belgrade. And the first engineer was in Los Angeles. And then the 3D team and the app team is in Berlin. So I'm, I'm really excited to launch this. And, you know, it's it's a whole different thing. We, we are, the app will have stereo mixes on it as well mm -hmm. for people who don't have the 3D um, headphones or the speakers. So you can, you can also listen that way. But the main goal of this is to be able to have this new, 3D landscape of sound, and uh, I'm I'm so excited um, about this project and to release the fourth album, the Belgrade project. And I had so many great Balkan musicians, a flutist who plays the Kaval flute. I'm not sure if you're familiar no, with that. No, I haven't. I couldn't get a sound out of it. <laughs> it's something you know. You almost play it on the side of your mouth. The embouchure is so off. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. But this guy was a master at it. Amazing. Uh, we also had an oud, which is a string yeah. um, string instrument that's that's very powerful in there. Yes, and some kalimbas and some very um world sounds as well well if you've anyone well, i'm sure you've all been to a 3d movie and i'm sure most of you will have had the opportunity to look at virtual reality my one experience of 3d sound was probably more profound than experience the visual side of it because as musicians mm -hmm. we we yeah we're visual but also a large part of what we bring in is auditory and when you bring 3D sound into your, into your head or into your ears, something happens that just brings everything alive. And when I talk about layers, I'm talking about layers, not just upwards. I'm talking about layers sideways. And then it's just, it is, it's crazy. It is like this huge, great vehicle that is not just sort of one dimensional, 
but the sound has so many different levels and areas and angles to it. It's just wonderful. And I think this is, it's the perfect platform for this type of music. Oh, isn't it just, isn't it just? Yeah, yeah. So I can't wait. (laughs) So Andrea, everybody, you're the only person I know that is known by a word that isn't your name. So people know you, (laughs) people refer to you and always have done uh, as Fluter Scooter. And it's the name of your bags. And I don't think many people actually know your your name. So this may be the first time a lot of people (laughs) will know that you're you're called Andrea Fisher because to most people Mm. you are Fluter Scooter. Yeah, that that name kind of it stuck, didn't it? (laughs) It's it's a you know how that name came came about is an interesting story. I was working uh, right after graduation. I was working in a lot of hip hop music and going to hip hop studios. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with hip hop, but yeah. everyone has like a, a fake name or just like a yep. street street name, which are some of them are hilarious. And when you when you actually know the person's real name, I you know, I don't I wouldn't have known anyone's real name. Um, you <laughs> yeah. know, their their government name as they call them. So, right after graduation, I, I had a scooter. Um, it was almost like one of those um, delivery food delivery scooters because in New York nobody had them at the time. This was like 2004. So I was riding around the city in one of these these scooters. I loved it because I was in Brooklyn, so I would go into Manhattan, and th- these sessions happened quite late at night. And you know the trains didn't run, and I it's you know I don't know if you know New York when it's four in the morning, it's hard to get back to Brooklyn from Manhattan unless you want to take a cab. And I didn't you know. Mm-hmm. A broke, uh, recent graduate. I I couldn't afford taxis all the time, so I I had a scooter, and um, I was you know showing up to the studio with the scooter and a flute on my back. I had a Hello Kitty yoga bag, a yoga mat <laughs> bag. So I would keep, you know, it, it's funny because it, it fit my Native American flute in it too because it was quite long. You know, think of a yoga mat. Um, so I, I fit a bunch of flutes in it and I had it on my back on the scooter. So one of the guys was like, like, yo, you're, you're a fluter scooter. And, and then everyone else is like, yeah, fluter scooter. So the name just kind of stuck then. And so I'm on a lot of these hip hop albums as fluter scooter. And that, that's how it, it, it had nothing to do with bags. I didn't even do bags then. It was just, that was my, kind of artist name and then when when the bags came along I just naturally called it fluter scooter because I I don't know I just it it seems not everyone has a scooter but it's the lifestyle of Mm -hmm. fluter scooter that's it's a lifestyle brand almost and thought it was an appropriate name so that fluter scooter has been around for a while. Um, <laughs> so I, and it's easier for people to remember, you know, yeah. I think Andrea Fisher, Andrea Fisher is a, a nice name, a nice enough, but it's not a superstar name. It's not a name like Madonna. I'm not comparing myself to Madonna. Mm-hmm. I'm just yeah. saying, you know, people will remember that one name rather than you know there are a lot of andrians there are a lot of fishers um i i just never felt like it was a name that stuck out so i i just kept going with fluter scooter and everyone 
still knows me as, as that. Um, now, now this this music, I, I think I say Andrea Fluter Scooter Fisher. You so do, I, yeah. at least I have I have both there. But yeah, Fluter Scooter mainly now refers to the the flute bags. It'd be so funny, wouldn't it, for all the flute players out there to have their own hip hop name. <laughs> I can't I can't I can't say anyone else does but who no. knows maybe maybe there's some out there No There's Lizzo there's Lizzo There's but Lizzo she's, yeah she's, But she's not I mean I wouldn't call her a flute player she has a, a flute flute scooter bag two of them actually How does she Believe it or not yeah her management called me um they I don't know where they found me um or sent me an email um saying we want some bags for Lizzo and I'm like oh my god like I've made it. <laughs> that was like one of those moments. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well, I think that's, that's stunning. And your bags, your sta- your bags really have become uh, synonymous with. No, I'm, I wouldn't just say professional flute players. I'd say all flute players because they're stylish. But most importantly, as you've explained, why they're totally functional. Yeah. Um... <sighs> I, I think pretty much most flute players know what a fluter scooter bag is, and <laughs> they, they know do. where and they know where they can get them. Yeah. On my website, all the dealers are listed. You know, I don't sell direct anymore. That's something that changed with the pandemic. I kind of shifted over to just doing um, dealers, having dealers sell them, and I I still promote them. But also, I should mention. Right now, it's kind of in a transitional phase. I'm in the process of moving my production and manufacturing to the States. Wow, that is huge. That is big. Yeah. Everybody. (laughs) Yeah, it's something that I've wanted to do for a while now. And I think, you know, everyone has things, good things that come out of this pandemic and things that have made you pivot if you have a business have you made have made you pivot in a certain direction and you know that it started with me not being able to to travel over overseas um to asia and i was going to china maybe two or three times a year i would i'd be at music china next month but you know that all stopped and you know i had wanted to be in the states for a while i had i had wanted to be to be able to just drive or, or fly easily to my factory and just oversee things, be more hands-on. And so it's not just that. Um, I'm also shifting to move to mostly sustainable materials. And and I've, I have done that in China. I have the eco bag yeah. out and um, I've been using some of those materials and but sourcing them overseas um but there's so many great resources in the states which i'm learning i just got a fabric swatch yesterday with um, a recycled uh, bottle brand here so you know this is this is a work in progress and when it is official believe me everyone will hear about it so you know right now the existing fluter scooter bag line is available from dealers but another branch of this work has been what we call in the industry as oem original equipment manufacturing so i am actually you you know people might not know this because i don't have my logo or my brand on but every brand in leather case cover is something that i've designed with them powell some uh baton uh, conducting baton bags um 
Yeah, it's so important right now. I mean, as you're seeing in all over the world, climate change is really becoming a, a, a scary thing. Um, it's evolving into um, something quite, um, I would say, scary. Um, all the fires and um, all the waste and we're seeing and the pollution. And, you know, I, as I was talking about deer, you know, that that's one of the reasons, you know, wild animals environments are being destroyed and polluted and, and humans, of course, uh, as well. But, um, you know, when I see, when I go to these places, I, I was in Vietnam and um, that was the place, the last country I went to, in Asia before the pandemic. I had been there, I think, November 2019. I loved the country, but I saw so much waste in the water. And this, these were beautiful um, tourist spots that used to be pristine, but there was so much plastic in the water. It was disgusting. I almost didn't even want to go. I was like, I, wanna, I don't even want to be here. It just, it felt so dirty and wrong and you know, that's just one place. But, you know, sustainability in fashion is, is luckily where things are taking a direction right now. I think a lot of people are waking up. A lot of people are seeing the need for getting the, the getting this plastic waste problem under control. I mean, there are so many other things um, to be doing as well. But, um you know, it's just one way that, um, you know, this brand can help. And, you know, it, it, it all relates to this music, too, because this, uh, you know, this music is often inspired by nature. And um, so, yeah, I think it all relates to each other. <laughs> There's time no, distortion going on in your life, isn't there? Oh, totally. But, you know, I just use my time very constructively. I actually sleep quite a lot, um, which is people are very surprised when they know that when my bedtime is. <laughs> I have like I have the bedtime of like a six year old. I, I, I'm in I'm asleep when I'm unless I have a, a concert or something. I'm asleep by nine o'clock. Wow. P.M. Yeah. But then I'm a very early riser. I'm up at five. Normally, I get most of my work done. I'd say before most people are awake. And the, but the reason for that is also uh, China hours have, have put me on that schedule. I have to be up to send texts back and forth with China. So I've, you know, to get them before they're done with the work day, it's so th that I have had to have that balance, but it's just now that's how my schedule is and, and I'm just so used to that but I, I sleep quite a lot and I I I think it's very important a lot of us burn burn ourselves out by not sleeping enough and um, stress and all of that my meditation also you know by practicing TM you have those extra it, it almost it's constructive um it's it's rest it's it, you know even if it's just 20 minutes it, it's still it adds to that and mo a lot of my create create most creative ideas come during meditation or after meditation I'm like okay okay so it's just that I think I just use my hours very well um and I act on things right away um 
Are you, you, li- are, you list, are you a list person? Do you write stuff down or do you, does it all come naturally to you? Oh, wow. Yeah, I do make a lot of lists. I, I, this is typical. <laughs> yes. and, and, you know, this is very messy. I, I just write things down. Any idea that comes in my head, I write it down. And some things work, some things don't. Some things are just thoughts. Um, some things develop. I do everything myself. And I, I think that helps in a way because, you know, training other people and and just having other people's schedules and back and forth, you know, when you can do everything yourself and when you can wear all those hats, um, I think it makes things a lot easier, if, if that makes sense. I'm sure you're simplifying the whole process because most of us, when mm. we're doing one thing, we get totally obsessed with one and the thought, if something else comes in and something else comes in. And also, let's not forget that you're a musician. You still play the flute. Yes, it's, yes. When It's just... Do you get time to get the flute out? Do you get time to practice? Stuff? Well, I don't. I don't practice daily like I used to. But if I have something coming up, obviously I'm practicing for that. When I when I was performing my original music, mm-hmm. I had to. What I did was I had to get the engineer to send me tracks without the flute line in it. So, and I had never done that before. So I was listening to these things and of course I, I this performance was outdoor which was that um, all the elements involved in that with the, with yeah. your sound and the wind and the you know little cicadas in the background you know there was that but just being able to play along to these tracks um was a whole new experience um and i loved that i loved starting that process and now i know that i can play these live and it you know in a certain type of atmosphere so i would love to do more of that um classically i you know for for even that performance i had to practice my scales and my long tones and and just things like that fingering things like that but you know this music is not very technical so i don't really have to worry there um and you know if the opportunity is right if the right performance comes along i will play um classically but my focus really isn't there at the moment you know when i'm when i'm in the studio recording this music like when i was Uh, recently in Belgrade, um, I was warming up, you know, at home, maybe a half an hour or so before going into the studio just to have (laughs) rubbery, rubbery chops for everybody else. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I I have been able to balance all of it. I think anyone can. I, I, I don't, I don't think it's unique to me. I think, I think anyone can, if they, if they really put their mind to it and, but meditating helps. I, I I do recommend meditation, and I think that's why I I'm so glad I found your Happy Flutist site and this podcast uh, because a lot of this um, does have to do with meditation. And I uh, the other tracks on the Happy Flutist are amazing, and the guided meditations, and I I think it's a, such a fantastic resource. And I thank you for having that for not just flute players but musicians and anyone. Oh, you're very, you're, you're very, you're very sweet, and it brings us back to how we started the podcast, doesn't it? To yeah, tunes, yeah. everything, and I, t- I'm totally with you. Meditation, if you haven't done it, 
can transform your life and there are so many different types of meditations and styles of meditations mm-hmm. i implore you all to find your own to explore whatever yeah. faith whether you have a faith or you don't have a faith wherever you are it, it is a non-judgmental process that can radically transform how you think and also opens up your creativity and this is where I listen to a lot of meditation music, mostly in the background. And that's why I say with iTunes, I would, it's okay to have it on in the background, but you miss so much. When it's coming directly into your head, every time you listen to it is a different experience. And we've just, we started with iTunes and we've come back to it. And for me, I look forward to hearing the fourth, but I'm really, really excited for the new 3D project. Thanks. And I I should also mention, I, I get one of these uh, messages I got recently is, I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, psychedelic therapy. So there are therapists that use um, psychedelic medicine, and it is legal um, yeah. now in some facilities in the States. So someone has been using my music to assist in these um, almost in therapy in a therapy session um it's just done differently but the um the patient is often with headphones a very good pair of headphones lying down uh with uh, various very small doses of Mm -hmm. of medicine and um it's played and therapists are playing it and I, i think that's just that's just so cool you know to have that music is for this healing this this healing that so many people need especially now and especially you know during these pandemic times I I think healing is uh, through music is something that could be so powerful and also meditation and yeah I I think there are many ways to um, I guess clear clear the clutter and um, get quiet and um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw. A, interesting, you mentioned that I saw a documentary recently on the BBC. I think it was sure it was on the BBC about exactly mm. that. They were trialing it in the UK, and yeah. Yeah. the transformative nature. And it so it was a single process or a double process. So it didn't go on very long. The person would it would be one or two meetings or going through it. Mm-hmm. You, had, you had to have a qualified therapist with you. Yeah, um, yeah, of but course. it it was completely transformative to them. So I know they're looking into that at a more at a deeper yeah. level because, as you say, that some of the some of the uh, medicines haven't le- necessarily been legalized for use over here. But if there's going to be a therapeutic yeah. use and it can unblock things, then uh, yeah, it's there's only one way for yeah. it to go. Yeah. Oh, you've been so kind to join us today. <laughs> you've been really, really generous with your time because. You've heard today, Andrea's doing so much. And yet she's still, she's up early in the morning, still looks fresh as a daisy, knowing full well that as soon as she puts the phone down or as soon as she puts the Zoom line down, she's busy. So I thank you so, so much. Hey, thank you. It's been great to be able to talk about this. Um, You know, I don't often talk about this music project. Uh, It's mostly bags or other things, entrepreneurship. But this, um, this was great to, to be able to talk about this and also our backgrounds in meditation. And um, yeah, so thank you. Well, I'm not going to let it drop because I love it. And, you know, okay, we're not going to meet at NAM next year in January because they've cancelled it. 
But yes. Yeah, June. They didn't cancel it. They postponed it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's June, but there's also at the big NFA in Chicago next year, the, the big 50th. Yeah. So um, if it's not going to be in January, we'll cross barriers in August, won't we? We will at some point soon. So. Yes. Until then, it will be Zoom. <laughs> it will have to be Zoom. So shall we gently close the podcast with another track from the second album? No, say second album because I'm just I'm loving that at the moment. I think it's too mm. easy to go through the them all because there's so many tracks in all the albums. It's too easy to go through them all without sort of indulging in one album before we move on to another one. So if we take the second album, which one should we close the podcast with? Voices of the Distant Forest is a nice one because I play several flutes. I do a Chinese flute on that one and some little whistles. Little whistles. <laughs> so we'll close to Voice of the Distant Forest from iTunes Volume 2 by Andrea Fluter Scooter Fisher. And once again, thank you so, so much for joining me on Talking Flutes podcast this week. And for all you for listening and may your week ahead be musically fulfilling and may your third octave F sharp be stable and beautiful (laughs) goodbye everybody
Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.